Welcome to Late Night Talks with Amy Jo, a place where you're going to find inspiration, wisdom, and healing. A podcast for men. Welcome to another episode of Late Night Talks. What's happening? I hope that you are well. I hope that you had an incredible week. I hope it was successful. And I hope this day was successful in whatever way, shape, or form that is for you. I tend to think that every day that we open our eyes, that in itself is success. We are given the opportunity to wake up with a new perspective every day. We get to open our eyes and see a world of color And this in itself is such a gift. And we should have so much gratitude for that. And so many people take life for granted. We just slept, hopefully, from a very restful night's sleep. And we are now opening our eyes to take on a new day. And there's a lot of people that don't have the opportunity to have a restful night's sleep because they're sick or they don't have a restful night because they don't have a bed. So this is something that a lot of people kind of don't think about. And it's important to, to say this and say thank you to God, to the universe, whoever that is for you. And when we wake up and say today is already such a success, I'm so grateful I can't wait to put forth my very best efforts into this day. And by me doing that, I know that I can only get more success back. And this is how it works. And I promise you, if you walk into each day with this attitude, when you wake up with a good positive attitude and you start your day like this, it will begin to change your life. And you'll notice a lot of things shifting in your life and good things will happen, right? So it's important. And I really mean it. I I really hope that there was success in your life. And I hope that you saw that success because we have many successes throughout our days and we just brush them off or we ignore them because we don't think that they're successes, but they are. Success doesn't have to mean any major big thing. There's a lot of success in the little things. So I just wanted to share that. (laughs) Anyways, I did go and see Dune. Like I said, I was going to really good movie. I highly recommend it. There was a lot of action packed stuff, but the only downfall was it was so long. And I knew it was going to be long when I got in there. But, you know, when you're sitting in the movie theater, even after like two hours, it's like, okay, you know, I mean, for me personally, I got to move like I'm moving around. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like a kid in school. I can't stop moving around. (laughs) So I was probably annoying some people, but that's okay. I don't care. But yeah, I would highly highly recommend going to check that out. I really like the soundtrack to the movie. I think it's really interesting. 
So, yes. All right, guys. Well, before we get started, let's do our quick check-in, and then we'll quickly get started on this interesting topic tonight. Let's bring the awareness into our bodies. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, just take all your, your senses inside. Close your eyes if you can. Also, just place your hand on your heart if you can. Just take notice of what you're feeling. What your mood is. How's your head feeling? How's your body feeling? Try not to pay any attention to the outside environment. Let's take a deep breath in. Through the nose. Hold it. And now release through the mouth all the way out. Just letting all the tension go. And there you have it. You checked in with yourself. And that makes me happy. <laughs> all right. So this information that I'm going to relay to you could actually save your life, literally. You know, I'm here to share ways to help in the healing process, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. So I would really like you to take this information seriously. There is such a strong link between sleep deprivation and cancer that the World Health Organization has chosen to label any sort of night shift employment as a potential carcinogen. Yes, you heard correctly. If you work a night shift, that is now labeled as a potential carcinogen. It sounds quite crazy, but the information that I'm going to share with you, you'll understand why. So tonight, we're going to talk a lot about sleep, some of the interesting facts, why we need sleep, its effects on our body or our brain when we get enough, maybe not enough or too much, and some of the major health risks. We're going to talk about how it can interfere with our learning and memory, our immune health, cancer, and then I'm going to briefly just cover some common sleeping disorders, especially in men, and how we can begin to create a better sleep routine for more successful, restful night sleeps. Sleep is defined as a natural reoccurring state of mind characterized by altered consciousness. It's a temporary suspension of voluntary muscle movement. We spend a third of our life sleeping. So if we live to the average age of say 75, we spend 25 years sleeping it away. And it does seem like a lot of wasted time, doesn't it? But it's actually for a good reason. Because sleep is our life support system. It goes right in line with the survival needs of food and water. We need sleep to live. And we need a certain amount of sleep every night to live a healthy, optimal life. 
So if you stick around, I'm going to share some amazing, scary statistics on what the lack of sleep is doing to the body and the brain. There are two internal biological mechanisms. The first includes the circadian rhythms, and the second is the sleep-wake homostasis. Our sleep, hunger, and energy levels rise and fall in synchronization with daylight. So this is what's called the circadian rhythm. The term circadian derives from the Latin word circa, which means approximately, and diem, which means day. So the process takes place in the body on a regular basis, usually in the 24-hour intervals. According to Dr. Panda, who has spent 21 years researching circadian rhythms, says every gene in the human genome responds to a daily timetable by turning on and off like a switch. This has an impact on our cellular activity from normal cell-specific processes to repair, regeneration, and growth, among other things. Some include functions from daily fluctuations in wakefulness in body temperature, metabolism, and the release of hormones. Sleep-wake homostasis is what keeps track of our sleep needs. So this modulates sleep intensity and it reminds the body to sleep. After a period of sleep deprivation, this sleep drive enables you to sleep longer and deeper. Light exposure has the biggest impact because these cells analyze light. They notify the brain whether it's day or night and may advance or postpone our sleep-waking regular cycle. So light exposure might make it harder to fall asleep and wake up. This is why spending too much time in front of our devices before bed might disrupt our sleep pattern. Matthew Walker is a professor of neuroscience and psychology at the University of California. And he is also the founder and the head of the Center for Human Sleep Science. And he conducted a study in which he divided two healthy groups of adults into two groups. Half the group read from a traditional book under dim lighting, while the other half read from their iPad with the electrical light. The blue light exposure can halt the melatonin in our body, creating a delayed spike by two to three hours, as opposed to those reading their traditional book under dim lighting, they fell asleep within the hour. But those that were exposed to that blue light, it took them two to three hours. For those of you that don't know what melatonin is, it's a hormone that's produced by our brain in reaction to the presence of darkness. So it aids in the timing of our circadian rhythms, that 24-hour internal clock that we talked about, as well as the quality of our sleep. So being exposed to light at night may interfere with that production of melatonin. Once we are in bed and we're finally able to manage to flip that switch off and we drift off into a sleep, there's four phases of sleep that we cycle through 
often as many times as four or five times every night during a six to eight hour period. The first three stages are non-REM, while the fourth is REM. Each stage is crucial to our overall health and well-being as we go through each stage. So if you will, allow me to walk you through these phases. As I mentioned, there's REM and non-REM. REM is an abbreviation for rapid eye movement. REM is a stage of sleep during which we have the majority of our most intense dreams. And as the night progresses into morning, this is when REM becomes more deeper and longer. So let's start with stage one. This is a brief time of the lightest sleep that you will have during the night, lasting two to five minutes. You're drifting in and out of sleep. As soon as you shut your eyes, your alpha, the relaxed awake and the beta alert awake brain waves will begin to decrease. While the theta, the light sleep and the delta, the deep sleep brain waves increase. The heartbeat, eye movement and breathing all begin to slow down. The muscles become relaxed. And at this point, we may also experience something that's common and is called hypnic myoclonia. And this is when we get that sensation that we're falling. You may flinch your muscles or jump in response to a sensation. The second stage is very similar to the first. We are in stage two for approximately 10 to 60 minutes. It's very light slumber still, but it's preparing for the deeper sleep that's about to come. This is the stage in which our body temperature begins to drop, our eye movements start to cease, and the sleep spindles, which are periodic bursts of brainwave activity generated in the hippocampus, our brain's short-term memory site. This occurs during this stage, and this stage accounts for 50% of our total sleep time. In the third stage, we make the shift from light to deep sleep, which is necessary for us to feel refreshed in the morning. This is very important. During the early part of the night, it happens for longer periods of time. This stage usually lasts between 20 to 40 minutes. Longer periods of sleep in the early part of the night are followed by shorter periods in the second half of the night. The duration of the first cycle might easily range from 45 to 90 minutes with the duration of each subsequent cycle decreasing. So it may be more difficult to awaken during this time period. During this period of sleep, your heart rate and your respiration rate are at their lowest. This stage is what aids in the regeneration of tissue and the consolidation of memories. It aids in the detoxification of the brain by removing the beta amyloid plaque which is the same plaque present in dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Now, stage four is the REM sleep. Rapid eye movement begins for the first time around 90 minutes after falling asleep. This stage lasts for about 20 to 60 minutes. 
there's a paralysis of the voluntary muscles, as well as rapid or irregular breathing, which occur in this stage, the brain waves grow more rapid, resembling the activity of a person who's fully awake. Other changes that may occur during the REM sleep include the increased heart rate and blood pressure to near waking levels. During this period of sleep, this is when males are more prone to getting an erection while they're in the REM stage. Now, dreams are most often experienced during the REM sleep as well. However, we can dream while we're not in REM, but a person who is dreaming in REM will only recall the dream if they are awakened during in this stage of the dreaming process. So if I'm dreaming and you awaken me in my dream, then I'll remember it. But most likely, if I just dream my way through it, I most likely won't remember it. Also, as we age, we sleep less of our time in REM sleep. One of the primary reasons why we receive too much sleep or too little REM is because of stress or worry. Those who are sleep deprived or under excessive stress tend to dream more than those who are not due to the increased activity in the brain during the REM sleep. But you may feel sluggish or exhausted in the morning. So why do we need sleep anyway? Well, as we talked about, humans cannot survive without it and nor can animals. It's just not optional. Long sleep deprivation can lead to death. Randy Gardner holds the Guinness record for the longest period of time spent awake. In the year 1965, the 16-year-old remained awake for 11 days. He couldn't speak coherently. He couldn't think clearly towards the end of that period, and he couldn't concentrate or focus on anything. We need sleep for two main reasons, for our brain health and our physical health. How it affects us if we don't get enough sleep. First, I want to mention some interesting facts shared by Professor Dr. Matthew Walker that I spoke of earlier. He points out that males who sleep for five hours or less per night have much smaller testicles than those who sleep for eight hours or more each night. Men who sleep five to six hours a night will have testosterone levels that are equivalent to those of someone 10 years older than they are. A decade is added to your age when you don't get enough sleep. His research has also shown that humans need sleep both before and after learning. It's absolutely necessary for the brain to be able to absorb information and memories. There were two groups of healthy adults in another research study. One group was able to sleep while the other was sleep deprived and only able to sleep for four to six hours every night for one week. So these two groups, the one was able to sleep for eight hours every day for one week, and the other group only four to six hours for one week. After that week, they were tested by being provided a list of information to memorize. There was a 40% deficit in the ability to form new memories 
that were seen in the brains of those who had been sleep deprived when they were assessed of the effectiveness of their learning efforts. And according to Dr. Walker, the hippocampus serves as kind of a inbox for our memories in our brain. And when we're well rested, these memories are transferred from our hippocampus to the cortex where they become more permanent files in our brains. This is the memory banks of our brains. This is the location where it is stored in the cortex. However, when we are short of sleep, it acts as almost as undeliverable. It's unable to accept any information. It bounces off. Sleep disturbances have been linked to depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, schizophrenia, and suicide. Actually, there isn't a single psychiatric condition in which sleep is considered to be normal. The lack of sleep causes our electrical circuits to become hyperactive and illogical. The amygdala, you've heard me talk about this before, this is situated in the middle of both the right and the left hemispheres of the brain. And this is responsible for the, the, the illogical emotional behavior. And by being sleep deprived, the amygdala is impacted, resulting in, you know, these more powerful emotional responses, both negative and positive. More recent findings show that actually sleep plays a housekeeping role for the removal of toxins in the brain that build up while we are awake. And I know I mentioned that when I was speaking earlier, but in case you didn't get that, we have toxins in our brain that build up throughout the day. So when we sleep, this is when these toxins are, you know, cleared away, that plaque. Let's now take a look at some shocking things that are now taking place. This is becoming one of the most significant public health issues of the 21st century for the sleep-deprived body. After one week of sleep deprivation, your blood sugar levels have been drastically altered to the point to where the doctor would consider you to be pre-diabetic. Now, in terms of our cardiovascular system, inadequate or fragmented sleep may also lead to high blood pressure and increase the risk of heart disease, heart attacks, diabetes, and stroke, among other things. Sleep deprivation has a negative impact on circulation by encouraging the accumulation of fatty deposits in our arteries, which may raise a person's chance of having that stroke or having a heart attack. Even though daylight saving time is observed only twice a year. Research has shown that when we lose an hour of sleep in the spring, heart attacks rise by 24%. In the autumn, however, heart attacks reduce by 21% when we are able to gain an hour of sleep, according to the findings of this study. Teens between the ages of 16 and 18 who attend school later in the day had a 70% reduction in automobile accidents. In fact, when people get enough sleep, 
their chances of surviving a suicide attempt rise as well. The natural killer cells that exist in our bodies prevent the cancer cells from developing and attacking us. And when we are sleep deprived, there's a decrease in immune cell activity of up to 70%. So just after one night of a four hour limited sleep, there was a 70% decline in the natural killer cells. Short sleep has been linked to a variety of cancers, the most common of which are bowel, prostate, and breast cancer. There's such a strong link between sleep deprivation and cancer that the World Health Organization has chosen to label any sort of night shift employment as a potential carcinogen. And I said that in the beginning, but I wanted to catch your attention. Dr. David Gosel is a scientist who works at the University of Chicago, where he studies sleep loss in mice. He injected two groups of mice with cancer cells in their backs and left them for one month to develop before releasing them. He separated these mice into two groups. One group was permitted to sleep as normal, while the other group wasn't allowed to sleep as much, and they were deprived of any rest as a result of the restrictions placed. After one month, he peeled the skin back on both groups of mice, and the mice that had been deprived of sleep had a 20% increase in development, speed, and size, as well as an invasion of other areas of the body of the mice. So basically, if you are sick or battling cancer, you have an illness, it is critical that you receive eight hours a night because otherwise the disease can develop and spread more rapidly and more aggressively if you're sleep deprived. Sleep deprivation and weight gain have a significant correlation. A lack of sleep causes ghrelin, the hunger hormone, to rise and leptin, the hormone that helps you feel full, to fall. As a consequence, those who don't get enough sleep may have an increased appetite. And we can't make up for lost sleep. However, recovering you know, sleep might help us. Individuals require four full night's sleeps to make up for only one hour of sleep loss. Four full nights of sleep to make up for one hour of lost sleep. Sleep deprivation has a wide range of consequences. And these consequences can spread throughout our body and our organs. There's several advantages to ensuring that we receive enough sleep. We burn calories when we're sleeping, which is a plus. We burn more calories in the REM state, according to a sleep scientist, Michael Brewis. Our glucose metabolism speeds up during REM sleep, so it causes us to burn more calories. The more sleep you get, the more calories you burn. But too much sleep might slow down your metabolism. Some people might believe that having a drink or smoking a bowl or joint 
or maybe taking some kind of a sleeping pill is a good concoction for a good night's rest. But this is not actually the case. What's happening is that when you do that, you're eliminating your consciousness. And this causes the fragmented sleep with many awakenings that you're not aware of since they're so brief. So this is when you wake up and you feel oftentimes you don't feel refreshed or you don't feel like you've gotten enough sleep. You might feel groggy. Also, sleeping medications have also been linked to the increase of cancer and death. Now let's take a look at some of the most common sleeping disorders that might be keeping us from getting enough rest in the night. We have insomnia, sleep apnea, restless leg syndrome, and narcolepsy. For today, I just want to focus on sleep apnea since I believe it's something that we should be more aware of. So what exactly is sleep apnea? What are the warning signs? What are we supposed to watch out for or who's at risk? Sleep apnea is a disorder in which the airway is closed by soft tissue and breathing is interrupted many times during the night. Because of the lower muscular tone in the upper airway that happens normally during the REM sleep, this tissue may become worse. Some of the symptoms of sleep apnea include maybe snoring, which may include gasping or choking or snorting. And this can cause a person to wake up and feel groggy or unrefreshed. You may experience morning sore throats, maybe a dry mouth, headaches, which is caused by the low oxygen and high carbon dioxide levels during sleep. You know, breathing can pause up to 30 times each hour when we have sleep apnea in severe cases. And, you know, you don't have, just because you snore doesn't mean you have sleep apnea. And just because you don't snore doesn't mean you have, you know, you don't have sleep apnea. But this is just something to look, to look into. Sleep apnea is actually um, usually a chronic condition as well. And the recognition and treatment of sleep apnea might save up to 980 lives every year in vehicle accidents involving drivers who suffer from this condition. Here's a few statistics. Sleep apnea affects around 22 million Americans. Men over 40 are at greater risk. The sleep condition affects one out of every four middle-aged males. High blood pressure affects 69% of people with severe apnea. It affects 2.3% of children. Every year, 38,000 individuals die as a result of apnea-related cardiovascular disorders. This disorder makes people three times more likely to die prematurely. And smoking actually increases it by 3%. Alcohol raises the risk 25%. Obesity is linked to more than 60% of sleep apnea cases. Fat accumulation in the neck, tongue, and upper abdomen puts people at risk because it reduces the width of the throat and presses on the lungs causing airway collapse. 
However, you can also be skinny and still have this disorder. I'm not saying that. 80% of people with moderate to severe sleep apnea go undiagnosed. Sleep apnea has also been linked to a considerable increase in the risk of sexual dysfunction. So how much sleep should we really be getting to be our healthiest? According to the National Sleep Foundation, healthy individuals need seven to nine hours of uninterrupted sleep every night. And then we say, okay, how can we make that happen? (laughs) Because some of us are just used to getting five to six hours. So here's a list of how we can get the greatest benefits in getting a good night's sleep. Number one would be make your bed in the morning so that that way it makes it more enticing to want to get into bed. You know, it's always good to have a tidy room too. 60% of people feel that having a clean room affects how well you sleep. Number two would be exercise regularly throughout the day. Maybe even if it's 15 minutes, at least get 15 minutes of exercise in and that will help, you know, exert some energy. Three would be limit caffeine intake afternoon. Four, make a to-do list sometime throughout the day before you go to bed so you're not laying in bed thinking about what the hell you have to do in the next day. You know what I mean? It helps so you're not laying in bed worrying about it. Five would be don't eat for at least three hours before you go to bed. Six is just find a way to unwind before you retire, before you go to bed. Read or journal or listen to light music. Seven would be spray your pillowcases with lavender. It's a good relaxer. Or you can burn incense. Just be careful, you know, obviously. (laughs) Eight, you could take a nice hot long bath right before you get into bed. This is something that will help relax you. Nine, I would definitely say not to watch any TV or use a phone of any sort, any kind of electrical device for at least an hour before you go to bed. 10 would be going to bed at the same time every night and waking up at the same time, even on Saturdays and Sundays. 11, maybe doing some yoga stretches like I said, maybe meditation right before you go to bed. It, just give yourself a couple minutes to relax and wind down. Twelve would be to get any kind of clocks that are facing towards you. Face them away from you. And just keep the room as dark as possible. Thirteen would be avoid taking naps during the day. Even if it's a ten minute power nap, I think that really affects us. And 14 would be to keep the temperature lower in the bedroom, which is just better for our health, and it's more comfortable when we sleep. Starting a decent bedtime routine can provide us with so many advantages, as you can see. We need to get the proper sleep, and in doing this, our immune system will be more powerful. 
you'll keep a healthier weight. You're going to have reduced uh, health problems. You're going to improve your mood, reduce stress, improve your memory, and make better choices. I myself am also in the process of developing a new sleeping routine. You know, I'm not getting seven to eight hours a night of sleep, or I haven't been. And this information has really woken me up with what is really going on in the body when we're not getting enough sleep. You know, you always hear that, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Well, you're going to die a lot sooner if you don't get the sleep you need now. Sleeping will actually make you live longer because you're going to be healthier. So I'd like to be here till I'm at least 100 years old. So I'm going to get as much damn sleep as I can. (laughs) Anyway, I think it's really important when we just put our phone across the room. You know, this is something that I did. I put my phone on my dresser away from me. And I have Alexa in my room, so I just ask her to play some soothing music for me before I go to sleep. And it works for me. This is, it's a hard transition from not fiddling with my phone before I go to bed. But it's important also that you're not doing stuff in bed because you have to consciously realize that you're only in that bed to sleep. You're not in there to watch TV. You're not in there to read or do any of that stuff you're there to sleep so when you start doing this your body will say oh okay we're in my bed now it's time to go to sleep and guess what for me it's time to go to sleep (laughs) because I am tired right now (laughs) so I hope for you that you find yourself resting your head pleasantly on a pillow tonight looking so forward to a deep night's rest. And if you do struggle with falling asleep, I do have that helpful sleep hypnosis that I shared on this podcast a while ago that many have had success with. So you can just search on it and use my friend Alexa and she'll pull it right up for you. (laughs) All right, guys, you be well hang in there. I hope you have a tremendous week ahead, a successful week, and I look so forward to being back here with you again soon. Take care.